1: Welcome, everybody. All right, today we're talking about the imposter syndrome. And you know, what is that? It's, well, it's a psychological phenomenon which people are unable to in- internalize their accomplishments. And so, what basically happens is with the imposter syndrome, it's, 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 a ty- it's a psychological term basically that refers to a pattern of behavior where people doubt their accomplishments and have a persistent and often internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. It's not really a disorder. It's not a real disorder. But but the term is basically uh, was uh, coined, I think, back in the 70s by Pauline Clance and Susan Imes. I think it was like 78 or something like that, when they found that despite having adequate external evidence of their accomplishments, people with the imposter syndrome remain um, convinced that they don't deserve the success they have. And, uh, you know, they call their success basically uh, luck or, or good timing. Uh, they dismiss it as others believing they were better or more intelligent or more competent than they actually are. And while, Uh, Early uh, uh, research from psychologists has focused on the impact on high-achieving women. The syndrome has actually been found to impact men and women roughly in equal numbers. And so, you know, at some point in our lives, I think we all tend to feel like imposters uh, and suffer from it, Uh, but um, a lot of people struggle with this day in and day out. Uh, people running billion-dollar companies, speakers who command audiences, uh, powerful people who still wonder if they're doing what they're doing is good enough, or if they're about to be found out for being an impostor. You know, a lot of people uh, uh, walk around with this in their head, and yes, it impacts women and men every day. And you know how it goes: you get a promotion, uh, you have this inner narrative that the, that they must have been short on candidates. Uh, your business has a great win, and you tell yourself that it was a sheer chance that the client found you, and they mustn't look too hard or or anything. Or, or you're getting ready to give a, a presentation, and you secretly uh, think that you're about to be found out uh, for how hopeless you really are. You know, our feelings and our thoughts are two different things, and, and uh, it's it, in a large part imposter syndrome is a reaction to certain circumstances or situations. So while you may feel fully confident speaking to a group of uh, more junior or, you know, people that are not as well-trained as you are, addressing your peers could completely undo you. Or you could be fine at work, but having uh, to speak at the local school meeting, you know, on a topic that you may not know as much about. You know, some people are perfectionists, and this will drive them absolutely crazy, You know, the the most limiting part of dealing with imposter syndrome is that it can limit our courage to go after new opportunities. A lot of people prevent themselves from reaching for a job that they may be perfectly qualified for simply because of their lack of confidence in themselves or their abilities. And they limit themselves. And it's sad. But this imposter syndrome is what they're afraid of, is that they will always feel like an imposter in their job. But, you know, life is experiential and, and we have to learn from our experiences and we learn from our mistakes. And if you're not afraid of failure, if you're not afraid of degrees of failure, if you simply understand that we, what, how we choose to react to failure is much more important than how uh, we choose to fear it you know, that failure is an opportunity to learn. And we need to take advantage of that and be resilient. And resiliency, by the way, is a very important quality in all of us. And what happens is when we feel like we are imposters, we tend to find ourselves lacking uh, uh, the security or the confidence to be resilient, which is what we have to be in this life. And so if you're a leader who's feeling like an imposter, you are leaving a big gap in your ability to be resilient, to protect your employees, to protect your business, because you're not searching for answers. You're searching for security. And that could be a very sad thing. But this is human. You know, uh, there's a number of things that can significantly help people move forward and deal with their fraudulent feelings, like voicing their fears in, in a, with a mentor Or or a safe peer group that helps normalize feelings and ensures that they aren't alone. Writing down their achievements, their skills, their successes to demonstrate that they really do have concrete value to share with the world. And having a really strong support system and getting ongoing feedback that validates their efforts and outcomes is more important for improving confidence levels. But here's the deal. If we look at ourselves in a leadership position about educating other people to become leaders themselves, so we don't look at ourselves as irreplaceable. We look at ourselves as replaceable and we're training the people, the very people that may end up taking over our shoes. And so it's a very important thing to be able to work for people in order to educate them and give them any kind of learning that you have rather than sit on a roost of power and not really help anybody but yourself. People that have imposter syndrome Uh, have a tendency to be deeply insecure and some of them hide behind their positions and other people actually embrace their positions and look at themselves humbly as just another person working for the people that are working with you. You know, if you are a manager of any kind, what's important to understand is your job is to work for the people that work for the business. Your job is to help make their job easier. And that is an important and a very humble position (laughs) to be in. That, no, you know, I may be a manager, but that doesn't mean I'm more important than you. I'm a manager because my job is to help you become more effective at what you do. You know, uh, at the end of the day, remember, you're here for a reason. That we are a soul living a human life. That means we have passions and purpose. And our passions and purpose often come from our soul, and it's our yearning. It's our natural yearning that we are born with. And hopefully, in this life, people are smart enough to reach inside themselves and go, what am I passionate about, and pursue that without a fear of income, but actually find their income and more because they're passionate about what they do. That's an important reason, and to find that in in your work, to find that in your life, and that you're worthy. You're better than you think you are, and you're smarter than you think you are, and you know more than you give yourself credit for. And it's important to remember that and remind yourself as often as you can. You know, uh, people who struggle with imposter syndrome basically they believe that they're undeserving of their achievements and high esteem in which they are, in fact generally held and they feel they aren't as competent or intelligent as others may think and soon enough people will discover the truth about them and those with imposter syndrome are often well accomplished and they may hold a high office or have numerous academic degrees. You know, the real question is why do they feel like frauds even though there's an abundant evidence of their success. Instead of acknowledging their capabilities as well as their efforts, they often attribute their accomplishments to external or transient causes such as luck or good timing or effort that they cannot regularly expend. Whether in areas of academic achievement or career success, a person can struggle with pressure and personal expectations. And that's important to understand. And and you know, I know in times in my career, I've been thrown into situations that I didn't have all the tools for, but what I had to realize was, though I'm not an expert, I am the expert in the room. I'm the one with the most education and the most experience around this topic, so I need to take the reins. That doesn't mean that I wouldn't step aside if somebody uh, far more experienced and better than me uh, didn't want to jump in, but the bottom line is, you know, uh, I if I'm in the room and I have the experience, I have to take that role whether I want to or not. That's what we have to understand. It's not always am I an expert in the field to where I can speak or, or be in front of people and, and guide people or educate people. Maybe not, but maybe in a circumstance, I have to assume that. You know, uh, what causes this thing, this imposter syndrome? Well, there's a lot of personality traits, largely drive. This syndrome. Those who experience it struggle with uh, uh, perfectionism, uh, neuroticism, uh, self efficacy, meaning they don't like themselves. You know, competitive environments can also lay the groundwork. For example, many people who go on to develop feelings of imposterism or, or, you know, have faced intense pressure about academic achievement from their parents in childhood. And maybe they didn't do well. And so they view themselves as not a very good student. You know, um, what may trigger imposter syndrome? By the way, you know, your grades, if you look back and you're in an expert role in your life and you look back and you go, well, I didn't do so well in high school and maybe not even my college. um, But then what happened? Well, I can tell you something. I did not do great until my junior year in high school. Um, and that's because I decided I want to go to college. And then after that, I did OK in college. I did pretty good, not great. And uh, and then all of a sudden, years later, I went back and got my master's in psychology and then I got my doctorate. And those were summa cum laude. So, you know, going from that perspective, I was ready at the time to become in this field and work in this field. And I'm not bragging about it. But what I'm trying to say is we can't let our past grades dictate who we are in our future life. Because maybe we mature, maybe we develop, maybe we grow out of impulsiveness and and childishness. Maybe we're more ready to take on a serious education. You know, you you can't be diagnosed with imposter syndrome. It's not a real psychiatric diagnosis. You know, people with uh, imposter syndrome may struggle... With mother, other uh, mental health conditions like anxiety and depression, you know. Uh, uh, but individually, it couldn't, it can't be diagnosed. And so, you know, you have to wonder, you know, are people who's more likely to get it? Well, people that are uh, in a career that's fast, that's uh, very quickly accelerating, or somebody that's pulled out of the crowd to become an expert at something, somebody that may have the experience but not have the education to take on a task, that person may feel like an imposter, especially if you're surrounded by people who wanted the job that you have. That can be a very intimidating position to be in. You know, perfectionism can really mess people up. You know, the imposter syndrome can be closely related to perfectionism, as a matter of fact, in which people, they feel pressure to perform their absolute best 100% of the time. And when they don't, they feel incompetent, anxious, and it's helpful also, although difficult, for people to change the way they view perfection to combat the imposter syndrome. You know, sometimes in life, we have to accept the fact that we're human and we do good enough. Good enough. And maybe we can build on good enough and all the failures that come with good enough and continued like the scientific process, to evolve. Sometimes it's like going to college. It's more important. It's Just go. Go to college and then figure it out. Don't, you know, you have two years to get your general education and guess what? As you're streaming along with your business degree, you might discover you like marketing or you might like something else, you know, economics. You know, the bottom line is, is you got to just keep going so you can discover what you're passionate about and what you want. You know, why do people fear success? And, and this is a really important question, you know, being caught between the desire to flourish And the fear of achieving some kind of success can be painful and paralyzing. And that fear may be indicative of specific fears, such as the fear of responsibility. God knows enough adults in this life and children have problems taking any accountability for anything in their life. And that's why they're miserable in their relationships. They're miserable in their job because they can't own anything. Sadly, there's a lot of people like that. You know, people fear making mistakes. They fear uncertainty. They fear the identity shift. Uh, Learning to tolerate discomfort and accept imperfection can help overcome the fears that prevent people from striving for success. So instead of living in fear of failure or fear of a mistake or fear of uncertainty, you know, take a leap of faith and join life because that's all life is. It's one leap of faith after the other. We don't know what the outcomes are going to be, especially if they're involving other people. What we do know is that if we take a leap of faith, we learn experientially. We learn from our experience. And that's a very powerful thing to have in this life, is to be able to learn from your experiences and be willing to fail, be willing to take leaps of faith. We take leaps of faith to buy our car, to to get married, to have children, to get a job, to take a job. To, you know we, we take leaps of faith buying a house or, or you know going on a vacation. It's all leaps of faith into an experiential learning process where there's no such thing as perfection. And people that are perfectionists become psychotic and neurotic because they're trying to perfect everything that they do, but sadly they're not alive. They're just coping with life, and their mechanism is to be a perfectionist. Unfortunately, that's one of the main ingredients in the imposter syndrome. And so overcoming that is is really changing your mindset about your own abilities. Imposters feel like, like they don't belong. So acknowledging their expertise and accomplishments is key, and it's reminding themselves that they earned their place in their academic or professional environment. And and people should stay focused on measuring their own achievements if we want to get out of this. Instead of comparing yourself to other people, which is what imposters do, they view themselves through other people's eyes and give other people all of the power without ever realizing just who they are. They need to have an internal motivator rather than an external motivator. And the internal motivator needs to be loaded with how can I assist and lead and help people and improve my circumstances with these people and their circumstances having to uh, be exposed to me. You know, you, per- t- you, you want to perpetuate uh, th- that kind of uh, a lifestyle where your life can touch other people's lives. You know, people with imposterism often p- uh, put a lot of pressure on themselves to complete every task flawlessly. And they fear that any mistake will reveal to others that they aren't good or smart enough for the job. And so as they perpetuate that, they develop a muscle memory around that and it becomes a part of how they think and who they are. And sadly, what it does is basically deteriorate their ability to be functional and helpful because they're so self-focused on themselves. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. And talk about the different types of imposter syndrome, people. So come back.
0: Find us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit GBMFT.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856.
2: Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels.
1: Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about the imposter syndrome. And, you know, in certain situations, turning to a, a friend or a mentor who understands your feeling of insecurity can really be helpful. Uh, you know, research suggests that uh, reaching out to people outside of your own academic or professional circle may be a better tool to combat the feeling like an imposter. Those, those people can put the person's concern into context and and basically help them restructure their perspective and offer support and love because we all go through insecurities. We all end up going through a sense of being imposters at some point in our life. But the one thing we want to do if you're a parent is prevent your child from developing imposter syndrome. Um, There's two types of messages that can really – these are just an overview basically – there's two two big messages that can spark imposter syndrome in kids. And one would be constant criticism, you know, which makes them feel like they'll never be good enough, and universal and superlative praise like you're the smartest kid in the world, which instills a high expectations and pressure. You know, parents can prevent imposter syndrome by praising effort, not outcome, and by helping children realistically understand their strengths and weaknesses. And this is important. You know, many high achievers share a a basic secret. Deep down, they feel like complete frauds, and their accomplishments uh, are the result of this, this luck that they believe in. Maybe it's their faith in God. You know, but this psychological phenomenon, it, it, basically the imposter syndrome, it, it has a deep belief that you're an adequate and incompetent uh, a failure, despite evidence that indicates you're skilled and quite successful. You know, it, it's it's a hot mess of of. Harmfulness that that people put themselves through, and it can take on a lot of forms depending on a person's background, their personality. Also, the, the the circumstances can can affect it too. So, if you're familiar with the feeling of waiting for those around you to find out, it might be helpful to consider what type of imposture you are, so you can problem solve. You know, um, one of them uh, is a, is a big one that we've already talked about a little bit is perfectionist perfectionism and imposter syndrome basically go in hand in hand you know think about it perfectionists set excessively high goals for themselves and when they fail to reach a goal they experience major self doubt worry about measuring up whether they realize it or not this this type of person the perfectionist can also be control freaks and feeling like they want something done right and they have to if they want it done right they have to do it themselves and so they stress out about having to work with other people you know you want to if you think you might be a perfectionist you you might want to ask yourself some questions because there's some really good questions that can help you figure this out are you a micromanager You know, do you have great difficulty delegating to other people? Even when you're able to do so, you feel frustrated and disappointed in the results when you delegate. You know, when you miss uh, the insanely high mark on something, do you accuse yourself of not being cut out for the job or ruminate on it for days? Well, my friend, that would turn into depression because basically that's unmet expectations, loads and loads of them, which... Those expectations have an emotional attachment to, and which develop an insecurity in you if you have them. And that causes depression. So you want to convert your expectations into preferences. I prefer. You know, I'd prefer I hit this goal. I'd prefer that we all work together well. I'd prefer that when I delegated, I didn't feel like it wasn't done right. I'd prefer that I wasn't a perfectionist. You know, you move things to a preference, you can communicate them all day long and not turn yourself into a control freak. You know, if you feel like your work must be 100% perfect 100% of the time, you know, success is rarely satisfying as a perfectionist because you believe you always could have done even better and that's neither productive nor healthy owning and celebrating achievements is essential for you to want to avoid burnout find contentment or cultivate self-confidence you know life is not meant to be perfect we are not perfect we're never going to be perfect parents you're only going to be good enough and that's all you can give yourself did i do the best i could If you can make peace with did I do best I could, you're going to find more peace in your life. You know, learn to take your mistakes in stride. Learn to learn from your mistakes. View them as a normal part of the process of uh, improving your life or learning or teaching. In addition, you want to push yourself to act before you're ready. Force yourself to start the project you've been planning for months. You know, truth is there will never be the perfect time and and your work will never be 100% flawless. The sooner you're able to accept that, the better off you'll be. Just do it. Just start. Stop sitting around looking for the moment that you feel like doing something. Just jump in and figure it out. That's the way we live life. And that's the way we enjoy our life because we learn from that. Since people who experience the, the phenomenon of being a superman or a superwoman, uber, you know, the uberman, you know, they're convinced that they're phonies amongst real colleagues, and they often push themselves to work harder and harder to measure up. But this is just a false cover-up for their insecurities. The superman and the superwoman is another type of the uh, imposter syndrome and they work overload may h- not harm their own mental health but also it'll it's going to harm their relationships with other people especially their family. You know when you want to ask yourself does this apply to me? You know do you stay later at the office than everybody else even past the point you've completed that day's work? Do you, do you get stressed when you're not working or find downtime completely wasteful? You know have you ever left your hobbies and passions Fall by the wayside to sacrifice for work, that's because you want that image. You want the image of being great at what you do. However, other people maybe are more uh, talented at what you do uh, in a sense because they do it in a sense, they do their work in a sense of quality instead of quantity. A person that focuses on quantity feels like they never know enough. And it's important for us to learn every day. But it's also important for us to rest and it's important for us to have relationships, not just at work. You know, if you you feel like you haven't truly earned your title that you're in, uh, uh, you also feel pressed to work harder and longer than everyone else. You know, workaholics are actually addicted to the validation that comes from working, not the work itself. So start training yourself to veer away from external validation. Validate yourself. Yeah, I got that done. That's cool. You know, um, no one should have more power to make you feel good about yourself than you. When you hand the power to other people and expect yourself to be viewed by them and you internally see yourself as how they see you, you are going to feel like an imposter your whole life. You know, uh, um, as you become more attuned to your internal validation and able to say, yeah, I was able to help that person, or yes, I was able to accomplish this today. Make it livable. Make it stuff that's reasonable, not craziness like you having to work all night. That's crazy. Don't do that. Rest. Time yourself. And The other thing is people that are procrastinators are going to drive themselves absolutely nuts if they want to be Superman and Superwoman because they procrastinate because they never feel like doing anything and so basically what happens is they end up doing it the last minute and it's either done well or it's done like crap you know if you become more attuned to internal validation and you're able to nurture your inner confidence and that's not saying being cocky just be confident just be confident that you know enough i know enough you know and and that basically says you're skilled and you'll be able to ease off the gas as you gauge how to work, uh, how much work is reasonable. There's also people that feel like they're natural geniuses. You know, uh, uh, people with uh, um, uh, uh, this kind of competence type believe they need to be natural geniuses. As such, they judge their competence based on. Uh, on ease and speed as opposed to their efforts. In other words, if they take a long time to master something, they feel shame. These types of imposters set their internal bar impossibly high, just like perfectionists. But the natural genius, which is part of the imposter syndrome, don't just judge themselves based on ridiculous expectations. They also judge themselves based on getting things right on the first try. And when they're not able to do something quickly or fluently, their alarm sounds, you know, that's not good. If, if you're used to excelling without much effort, that tells you you think of yourself as a natural genius. Do you have a track record for getting straight A's or gold stars in everything you do? Well, you know, that means you need external validation or some kind of validation outside of yourself. If you were told frequently as a child that you were the smart one in your family Uh, If you dislike the idea of having a mentor because you can handle things on your own, that is what the natural genius is like. You know, if you want to move past this, and there's an old saying, you know, if you're in a room full of people that you're smarter than, move to the next room where people are smarter than you. That's important. Life is a constant a battle not battle but a constant process of learning and if you can embrace that is learning from other people is actually a great thing to do and yes we can learn to do things quickly and effectively if we go to people that have already done it they can assist us and help us not do wasteful time and energy and things that would pull us away from our family. You know, Try to see yourself as a work in progress. Uh, accomplish great things involves lifelong learning and skill building for everyone, even the most confident people. Rather than beating yourself up when you don't reach your impossibly high standards, identify specific changeable behaviors that you can improve over time. Life is a process. It's not an outcome. Invest in the process. That's where good things happen, not in the outcomes. Outcomes are a result of process. And if you think you're a genius, you hate process, you just want outcomes. And that sadly goes against life. The natural human existence does not work that way. If you want to more, have more impact on people, it's, mu- it's much more productive to focus on honing your presentation skills than swearing off, speaking up at meetings as something you're just not good at. You know, we, that's a, that's a, a cop-out. I'm not good at that. I'm not good at, that's not, a, that's a cop-out. Let yourself learn. Jump in. Do something you've never done before. You may discover a new talent and you may actually discover the process of learning if you think you're a natural genius. You know, there's also this person that says they, they, they love to work by themselves um, and that's another type of imposter syndrome they, they feel as though asking for help reveals their phoniness, uh, and and so uh, uh, Carl Jung called them soloists. And, and it's okay to be independent, but it, to that extent that you refuse assistance, that you can prove your worth, is not good. You know, if it, it, you might want to ask yourself some questions: Do you firmly feel that you need to accomplish things on your own? You know, do you often say, "I don't need anyone's help"? Does that sound like you? Do you frame requests in terms of requirements of the project rather than your own needs as a person? That is a person. That is an imposter. There's also a person that thinks they're the experts, and experts are another type of imposter, and they measure their competence based on what and how much they know or can do. Believing they will never know enough, they fear being exposed as inexperienced or unknowledgeable. You know, These kind of people shy away from apply, applying to uh, job postings unless they meet every single educational requirement or if they're constantly seeking out trainings or certifications because they think they need to improve their skills or uh, they've been uh, uh, in their role for some time and can relate to feeling uh, that they still don't know enough. You know, it's true that there's always more to learn, but striving to bulk up your skill set can certainly help you make strides professionally and keep you uh, competitive in the job market. But taken too far, the tendency to endlessly seek out more information can actually be a form of procrastination. So start practicing just-in-time learning. And what this means is acquiring a skill when you need it. For example, if your responsibilities change rather than uh, hoarding knowledge for false comfort you actually just jump in and, and you might want to realize there's no shame in asking for help when you need it if if you don't know how to do something ask someone if you can't figure out how to solve a problem seek advice from somebody even a even a career coach but mentoring you know other colleagues that, that may not be as experienced as you or volunteering can be a great way to discover that you are an expert and when you share what you know it, it not only benefits other people, but it helps you heal your feelings of being fraudulent. No matter how specific, it, 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 if you struggle with confidence, you're far from alone. So many people lack confidence. And it's important for us to have confidence in our life and to have confidence of not seeing ourselves through how we view other people seeing us. You know, if you're experienced at any point in your career, you're. At one or another accomplishment, you've already accomplished something if you've learned something. And, and so if you add the accomplishments to your chance and your charm and your connections and, and other external factors, you may find yourself in a great position in life and embrace it. If people have awarded you as an expert, be the expert, just do it and, and assume it. And if you don't know it, ask and don't try to be knowledgeable about things you don't know. But it's important to jump in. It's important to gather that experience and move through life. You know, imposter syndrome, some people can do a lot of damage, though, if they're imposters and they know they're imposters, but they still accept people's responsibility that they've given them and they know that they may not be fully competent or maybe they Uh, Maybe they set up a resume that doesn't fully reflect who they are. You know, those people may be alarmed to find out that they are uh, living in an imposter role. And what they have to do is try to be honest with the fact that they may not have all the expertise that they've been represented. And they may need to also uh, get that education, especially if someone's going to become uh, somebody that's going to affect people's mental or physical health. That person needs to be, never to be, feel like an imposter. They need to feel like the expert because they're holding people's lives in their hand. That doesn't mean they're cocky. That doesn't mean they're crazy. But what it does mean is they acknowledge the fact that they know something well enough to practice it and to assist others. You know, in, in, in short, depending on the type of praise we receive, we develop either the growth or the fixed mindset. And those with a growth mindset believe their abilities are flexible and can improve through their experiences and their persistence, and they see challenges as opportunities to overcome. That's a great thing. That's an incredible quality. Those with fixed mindsets believe their abilities are set and cannot be improved. And when they encounter difficult problems, they think that they've overstepped their abilities and should retreat. And so challenges are obstacles for them to avoid and procrastinate, you know? That fixed mindset leads people to avoid challenging situations out of a belief that if something can't be uh, perfect, then it shouldn't be attempted. All right. Come back. We're going to talk more about the imposter syndrome, about the mindset, and we're going to talk about growth. Come back. Change your world
0: one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856.
2: Many people don't like to talk about death, but like it or not, it's going to happen to you, me, your loved ones, and everyone it's best to ask the important questions sooner than later that's where inspiring end-of-life conversations with host nina impala can help we cover all of the important questions including aging loved ones cancer losing a child hospice pets and messages left by our loved ones tune in wednesdays at 3 p.m pacific time and 6 p.m eastern time on the voice america empowerment channel Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest...
1: Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about the imposter syndrome. And the common signs of imposter syndrome is self-doubt, an inability to realistically assess your competence and skills, attributing your success to external factors, berating your performance, fear that you won't live up to expectations, overachieving, self-doubt, sabotaging your own success. And setting very challenging goals and feeling disappointed when you fall short. These are characteristics that a person often has with imposter syndrome. And while for some people imposter syndrome can fuel feelings of motivation to achieve, this usually comes in a cost in a form of constant anxiety. So you might overprepare or work harder than necessary to make sure that nobody finds out you're a fraud. And this sets up a vicious cycle in which you think that the only reason you survived that class presentation was that you stayed up all night rehearsing or you think the only reason you got through that party or family gathering was that you memorized details about all guests so that you would always have ideas of small talk. But the problem with imposter syndrome is that the experience of doing well at something does, not, does nothing to change your beliefs. Even though you might sail through a performance or have lunch with coworkers, workers or thought, uh, thought still nags in your head, what gives me the right to be here? The more you accomplish, the more you just feel like a fraud. And it's so you can't internalize your experiences of success. And this makes sense in terms of social anxiety especially if you receive, which is a diagnosis, by the way, um, you know, which you receive uh, earlier feedback that you were not good at a social or performance situations, but your core beliefs about yourself are so strong that they don't change, even when there's evidence to the contrary. And the thought process is if you do well, it must be the result of luck because a socially incompetent person just doesn't belong. Eventually, these feelings get worse and with uh, with anxiety and then they lead to depression. And people who experience imposter syndrome also tend not to talk about how they're feeling with anyone and struggle in silence, just as those with social anxiety disorder. You know, imposter syndrome is a very important thing to recognize as a symptom, as a symptom of anxiety and depression. And for us to come to grips with it and to really understand it in real terms, then we began to be able to help each other move through it. But you have to communicate about it. You have to. And it's important to communicate to, to trusting people. That, that, you know, I sometimes don't feel like an expert because sometimes we get a perspective that's much more important to understand than the one that we carry. You know, in, when you're, we're in the middle of a tornado, we don't really see where the tornado's headed. And sometimes we don't have all the facts or the details. And so it's important for as we progress through our careers and it's, it's, our life, it's normal to feel as though we're not qualified to perform a role. And we may believe that, that we got that role due to a mistake, or uh, not based on merit, or due to politics, which in truth happens. You know, people tend to hire people that they know. People tend to want to know, maybe you don't know how to do the job, but I know who you are, and so a lot of people get the job by the people they know. And that puts them in a role where they often, or sometimes, may feel like an imposter, and then basically they will overdo or underdo something to compensate for that feeling like an imposter, but the deal is just be natural be normal move into the process and learn and accept. you may not know everything and ask ask people seek help you know that's important to not be so egotistical you know these thoughts will uh, encompass that that you know the sense of I got this in a way that I shouldn't have you know that is going to uh, 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 encompass the imposter syndrome it's going to focus on that and, and, you know, it's important that, uh, that your mindset, your situation uh, is not going to spiral out of control if you're willing to be humble enough to ask for help and to ask others, even those that work with you, how to do something, because you may know how to do something that they don't know. And sometimes we as a group of people have a tendency to bring different skills. And those skills, we can actually lean on each other from those various skills and actually move through and and learn and and reshape our conceptions about ourselves and us as a group. You know, it, it's, it's, you really have to address the imposter syndrome and, and that way you do that is to understand what it is and, and, and then take it on and then how am I manifesting it? And then what do I need to do to get that confidence? Because it it's stressful to live with imposter syndrome. It's, 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 it's just continuous insecurity. And it's going to make you irritable to the people who love you and care for you. You're also going to pull away from the very people that can help you. You know, it, it's it's a roadblock to mental health. It's a roadblock to career advancement. It's a roadblock to having faith in your life. People with imposter syndrome have a challenge in the sense that they may or not have a relationship with God in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Faith is not an element of their thinking, and faith is life, not fear, faith. Faith is life, and that means we are able to understand that we are not in charge. We are not in control, and if we have faith, we're willing to work as a group, work with other people, work with ourselves, work with Google, work with whatever, work with books, to find answers, and to find our way through it. And that is the adventure of life. That's how we are supposed to learn our life. That's how we form expertise. I know studying psychology, uh, both both master's and doctorate, does not make me an expert as a, a counseling psychologist. What makes me an expert as a counseling psychologist is the fact that I've done 22 years worth of work seeing tens of thousands of people and over time have worked with many different issues. And so it's important to understand to myself that I'm not being cocky about it. I just happen to go that direction with my passion and purpose being helping people. And that's an important thing to grab onto yourself and go, what, are, where is my heart? Where's my heart? Do I want to help others? And if that's what your heart is, Walk out of the imposter syndrome. Stop looking at how you're being viewed, and start helping people in real ways. Get in tune with their life and their needs. You know, you believe if you um, if you become a manager when you've never been a manager, don't criticize yourself for that. Be a manager. Manage other people's issues at work. That's your job. Working for other people. It's not them working for you. You are working for them. To support them, to help them, your role is different, but it's a different job. It doesn't mean it's more important. It doesn't mean you are a greater person. And so, it's really important as uh, if we want to get away from the imposter syndrome, we have to get into ourself and have a relationship with ourself and bring that out to help others. You know, uh, if you agonize over the smallest mistakes, or if you attribute your uh, self uh, your your success to luck. You, by the way, luck is never found in the Bible. You never find it in the Bible. There's no such word as luck in the Bible. It's faith. You know, if you feel like you will be uh, found out as a phony, that's the ways that you tend to fear and identify yourself as an impostor. And actually, imposter syndrome and social anxiety may overlap because with social anxiety, we're, we're worried about how we're viewed by other people. You know, uh, um, people that have social anxiety feel like they don't belong in social situations or performance situations. You know, you might be in a conversation with someone and feel as though they are going to discover your social incompetence. So you might be delivering a presentation and feeling like you, you don't need to get through it before anyone realizes that you really don't know what you're doing. And, and while the symptoms of social anxiety can fuel feelings of imposter syndrome, this doesn't mean that everyone with imposter syndrome has social anxiety or vice versa. People without social anxiety could also feel a lack of confidence and competence. And, and it often causes normally non-anxious people to experience a sense of anxiety when they're in situations where they feel inadequate. And so, you know, in looking at that, it's important to identify what is causing the social anxiety. And if you want to get past the imposter syndrome, you know, you have to look at your own core beliefs. What core beliefs do I hold about myself? Do, do I believe I'm worthy of love as I am as a person, you know, must I be perfect for others to approve of me? Are other people perfect? Do you see perfect in other people? If you are, you're delusional. And, and so, you know, perfectionism plays a very big role in this imposter syndrome, and you might think that there is some perfect script for conversations that you cannot say the wrong thing, but what you're leading yourself is into deep depression and deep anxiety or persistent depression, which is even worse, and it just takes over your life. Thinking with perfectionism is basically embracing the fact that you're never satisfied and always feel that something in your life could be better. And that makes you a miserable person. And do we all want to live like that? No. We want to accept all of life. We want to accept the inexperience and the experience. We We want to enjoy learning from other people. We want to enjoy learning from other sources. We want to be learning about sharing knowledge. We want to embrace the fact that experience in life is more important than even the education because that's called applied learning. And that's where you're taking book knowledge or you're taking knowledge that other people have given you and you're applying it to something, that is where we get the rubber meets the road when we move out of the kind of uh, uh, anxiety that the imposter syndrome ca- uh, carries. You know, you want to move past your feelings. You, you need to become comfortable in confronting some of those deeply ingrained beliefs that you hold about yourself, and that can be hard because you might not even realize that you hold on to them but, but there's some techniques that you can use to help yourself. First of all, you want to share your feelings. Talk to other people about how you're feeling. These irrational beliefs tend to fester when they're hidden and not talked about. Also, while, you know... Focusing on others, while this may uh, feel probably to, to an imposter syndrome, counterintuitive, but if you try to help others in the same situation as you, if you see someone who seems awkward or alone, ask that person a question to bring them into the group. As you practice your skills, you'll build confidence in your own abilities. Also, assess your abilities. If you have long-held beliefs about your incompetence in social and performance situations, make a realistic accept uh, uh, assessment of your abilities. Write it down. Write down your accomplishments and what you're good at and compare that to your self-assessment. Also take baby steps. You know, don't focus on doing things perfectly, but rather do things reasonably well and reward yourself for taking action. For example, in, in a group conversation, offer an opinion, share a story, something like that. It's important to question our thoughts. You know, as you start to assess your abilities and take baby steps, you know, question whether your thoughts are rational. You know, does it make sense that you, you feel like a fraud given everything that you already know? And if you compare yourself to others, you're self-destructing. Every time you compare yourself to others in situations, you find some fault with yourself that fuels the feeling of not being good enough, not belonging. Instead, during conversations, focus on listening to what the other person is saying. Be genuinely interested in learning more. You know, the listener is the most powerful person in a conversation. You know, uh, stop fighting your feelings. Also, if, if, if you're a person that is uh, feeling like an imposter, you know, don't fight the feelings and not belonging. Instead, you know, lean into them and accept them. It's only when you acknowledge them that you can start to unravel those core beliefs that are holding you back and also refuse to let it hold you back. No matter how much you feel like you don't belong, don't let that stop you from uh, pursuing your goals keep going and refuse to be stopped and my friends that's called resiliency which is the key to life all right that's our show you know thank you for listening you know i'd love to hear from you and you can do that through our webpage at voiceamerica.com the empowerment channel dr gary bell's absurd psychology now remember we pretend like we know how to be married and have children you know I call that, as a therapist, job security. (laughs) If you barely graduated college and get a job in the field you studied and you're likely to be an imposter or someone in charge of hiring wants to get in your pants. (laughs) If you want to make it through life, fake it till you make it. Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: That's our show for this week.